Hey youth, it's Pastor Luke. I hope that you are blessed and encouraged by this awesome message. We are continuing, actually we're closing out our best year ever series this morning. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna can I embarrass myself for a second? Embarrass myself as a pastor. Um, I realized that we have been talking about having your best year ever, specifically your best year ever spiritually this school year, your best year ever with Jesus, we talked about community and youth group, why that's important. We talked about authenticity. We talked about being the good kind of exclusive. You guys remember that message? Talk about all that, but we didn't talk about prayer <laughs> at all. We didn't talk about the secret place. We didn't talk about worship and the word. And today we're gonna talk about prayer, but um, there are some things that you need uh, as a Christian. There are some non-essentials, just like I'm a golfer, right? You guys know that. I love to play golf. And there's some things that I need. Can't just show up to a golf course uh, without the proper utensils? Nope. Proper uh, materials, right? I need some stuff. I need some golf clubs. I need some shoes, right? I need probably some lessons. I need the right stuff to be able to play the game. There are some non-negotiables when it comes to golf, whether maybe it's basketball for you, whatever you do, whatever your hobby is, you need the right stuff to be able to participate in the hobby. You need the right stuff to be able to do the thing, so to speak. And Christianity following Jesus is no different. There are some non-negotiables uh, that we have as Christians. We talked last week, Pastor Luke talked about community. How we all desperately need not just friends around us, but we need God kind of friends. We need Jesus loving friends. We need friends that are gonna push us towards Jesus and pull us away from sin and temptation. We need community in our lives to keep us accountable. That's a whole other message, but... We need brothers and sisters in our lives that are gonna keep us accountable. I have friends in my life who are, I am accountable to. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ. If they see me out of line, they see me doing something I'm not supposed to do, acting in a way I shouldn't be acting, saying things I shouldn't be saying, they'll call me out. Why? Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we need community. It's a non-negotiable. You need mentors, you need leaders in your life. You need people who can speak into your life and deposit wisdom into your life. I, I, I don't wanna say I necessarily need you, but in some ways as a Christian, you need me and you need our leaders, not just me, by the way. <laughs> you need our whole leader team. You need Sandra, you need Pastor Luke. You need our leaders, mentors in your lives. Your parents included in that. Your teachers included in that. Anybody who's pointing you towards Jesus who has a few years on you, you need them in your life. You need mentors. And if you don't have a mentor, girls, if you don't have a mentor, talk to Sandra, talk to Christina, talk to Emmy, talk to any of our, Jerrica, any of our leaders, girls, and talk to them. Say, hey, will you mentor me? Can we meet up? every couple weeks and then just talk about Jesus and talk about stuff going on in my life. Guys, come find me. Talk to Pastor Luke. Talk to any of our guy leaders, Rob or Ben, whoever. We would be happy to sit down with you and do life with you and talk shop with you and talk about Jesus. What's another non-essential? Uh, what's a, a non-negotiable? Non <laughs> That's the worst slip up I've ever had. A non-negotiable, not a non-essential. A non-negotiable is the word. We need the Bible. We need the word of God. We need to get in God's word and see what it has to say about our lives, about other people, and more than anything, what it says about Jesus and what that means for us. You need the word of God. What else do you need? You need worship. It's a non-negotiable. Can I tell you, you need, more, you need to worship more than God needs to receive worship. God designed you for worship. 
God is not insecure. He loves when we worship him, but he's not like, oh, if they don't worship me, I don't know what I'm gonna do. No, you and I need to worship. We are built, designed to do it. It's a non-negotiable, and I already said it, but you need a prayer life. You need a prayer life. If you want this to be your best year ever, you want this to be your best year ever spiritually, your best year ever with Jesus, you need a prayer life. And each of those things that I mentioned, the word and worship and community and mentors and leaders and all that stuff, those are kind of like keys, so to speak, in our lives. Those are kind of like keys in our lives. They open up certain doors that we can go through, but I'm convinced that prayer is the master key. Prayer, a prayer life, that includes reading your Bible, by the way. That includes sitting in worship, by the way. It's kind of cohesive. It's all one kind of thing. But a prayer life is the master key to accessing everything that God wants to do in your life. The secret place where you're digging into the word of God, where you're literally talking to God, actually sometimes closing the Bible just for a moment and talking with your creator, listening for his voice. Prayer is like a master key that unlocks everything. And by the way, if Jesus had a prayer life, how much more do we need a prayer life? If Jesus had a prayer life, I don't wanna say Jesus needed a prayer life necessarily. He's 200%, he's 100% God, 100% man. But he set the example for us as a man of prayer. And if we wanna be Jesus' followers, then what should we do? We should pray. If Jesus had a prayer life, how much more do we need a prayer life? And you might be thinking, are you serious right now? We're doing another message on prayer. Yes, because it's everything. It's everything. Hundreds of years ago, there was this group of men and women called the Desert Fathers and Mothers, and they were seeing the world around them kind of crumbling into secularism and materialism and just everything that we're seeing today, by the way. And these people, the Desert Fathers and Mothers, they retreated into the desert and they created this community that was all about fasting and prayer and seeking God and silence and solitude and the spiritual disciplines and their heart around it, the analogy that they used was that the world was like a sinking ship and as long as they were on that sinking ship, they had nothing to offer it. So they got in their lifeboats, they fled to somewhere else for a while so that when they came back, they had something to give, that's prayer. That's a prayer life. It's saying, I'm going away for a little while. I'm taking my life raft away from this sinking ship for a while. And I'm gonna come back to it better than when I left. I'm coming back to it with something to offer. And in our case, it's revelation from God and from his word. And you might be thinking, Pastor Aaron, I come to church. I raise my hands. I, I, I have Christian friends. I'm doing the stuff. That is awesome. But it may not be enough. Not saying it's not enough to be saved, that's that's what I'm saying, but enough to secure your faith, to keep it strong and steady. It's kind of like being a little kid when you were little. You would go to Home Depot or Ace Hardware or something, you'd get the little packet of seeds, right, for an apple tree or a cherry tree or something. You'd be excited to go home. I don't know if you did this when you were a kid, but I did. Excited to go home, rip open the package of seeds, and you'd dig a little hole in the backyard put the seeds in the ground and fill the hole and you just douse it with water. You just dump water on it. 
And maybe you do that a couple times, but what happens over the course of a couple days or a couple weeks? You forget about it. You forget about the seeds. You forget about watering it. And then you go back and you probably aren't surprised that the plant hasn't grown, grown at all. There, you can't see anything. It's because a plant was designed to grow by consistently watering it every single day. It doesn't, grow every, uh, it, it doesn't grow because every once in a while it got drenched in water. It grows because every day someone waters it the perfect amount. And it's kind of like eating, right? We don't eat, it's not Monday morning and we stuff our bodies as much as possible with food so that we can go all the way the whole week until next Monday and then we eat again. No, we separate our meals out so that we're consistently nourished. That's why our prayer life matters. And I wanna say this, this is our main idea today, that prayer isn't meant to be an occasional add-on to your Christian experience. It's a daily decision to water the soil of your faith. Prayer is not meant to be an occasional add-on to your Christian experience for like the super senior Christians who are like really experienced, they really like Jesus and they really like church, so they're the ones that pray. And it's like this bonus cherry on top add-on to their faith. No, no, no. Prayer is a daily decision to water the soil of your faith. And I don't wanna to be too intense, but without prayer, without the secret place, your faith may die. In fact, it, 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 it will. I'm not saying like, oh, you're gonna lose your salvation like once you were in with Jesus and then now you're not, that's not what I'm saying. It says in scripture that faith without works is dead. And we think of good works as like a, that's like a cuss word in church. Like, no, 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 don't talk about good works because that's not how we're saved. You're right, that's not how we're saved. But a healthy faith is an active faith. A healthy faith is a prayerful faith. Setting aside time and margin to get with Holy Spirit in the secret place and see what he has to say. And man, life has a way of getting in front of our prayer life. Life has a way of disrupting our rhythms with God, right? And in Daniel chapter six, is such a great example of how we ought to be. Uh, there's King Darius, right? You guys know the story, King Darius and his advisors come to him and they go, hey, you should set this law that if anybody prays or worships to any other God aside from you, then they get thrown in the lion's den. They get thrown into a, a room of lions under, under the ground so the lions can destroy him and eat him. You should set that law. And King Darius is like, yeah, it works for me. So this law goes into place. Well, King Darius didn't think about the fact that that would affect his friend Daniel, who wasn't Babylonian, or he wasn't Persian. He was a Jew. He didn't worship the same gods. He worshiped the one true God. So Daniel hears about the law, and it says this in Daniel chapter six, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. I love that twice it emphasizes, it says, as usual and just as he had always done. It's this example to us that come hell or high water, I don't want anything to get in the way of my prayer life. I don't want anything to get in the way of my margins set aside for God. 
Daniel's situation didn't waver his discipline of prayer. It didn't, it didn't waver his discipline at all. Situation had no effect on his prayer life. It was the same consistently. He didn't even let a law get in the way of his prayer life. Like what happens, just think about this for a second. What happens one day, 10, 15, 20, 50 years from now when the government, and I could see this happening, just where culture's going. What if the government goes, no one uh, is allowed to pray or worship or uh, commune under the name of Jesus anymore? Now, I don't think that would happen right now, but where culture's going, I could see that happening. What happens then? How does that affect your prayer life? And they go, this is the law. How does that affect your walk with Jesus? If we're like Daniel, it says, as usual, as he always did, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. This is the the golden question today. Is prayer and time with God a non-negotiable for you? Is prayer and time with God in his word, worshiping him, talking with him, journaling in his presence, is that a non-negotiable in your life? Okay, soccer can go, school can even go, friendships can go, my video games can go, but nothing is getting in the way of my situation and my time with God. That ought to be our heart for the secret place. That ought to be our heart for our time with God. I have friends, guys, that have had a calendar reminder every single morning at six in the morning every day for decades, and they don't miss that date with God aside from an emergency. It's like, nope, this is, there is nothing more important than this. And it's not legalistic, it's not religious, it's a, I wanna be with God more than I want anything else in my life, so nothing is getting in the way of this. Nothing is getting in the way of this. Why? Because I care about Jesus more than anything else in my life. God, would you give us, even right now, give us that desire for you. Give us a desire deep need to be with you, a hunger to be in your presence. <laughs> Poor Luke, the other morning, uh, I, I come in the office and I've been doing this thing recently. I, I've been coming in early and sitting on my couch in our office because me and Luke share an office and uh, I've been just sitting in the silence, just sitting in the word of God in the silence. It's been awesome. Before I go in the prayer room in the sanctuary, I just sit in my office for, I don't know, half hour or 40 minutes and just enjoy the presence of God in the silence, no music, nothing. I know, terrifying. And, uh, but Pastor Luke's schedule has changed a little bit, so he's working early as well now. So the other morning I come in and I was like, hey dude, um, can you work somewhere else? <laughs> I felt bad asking, but it was because, dude, I've, I've gotten into this rhythm where I'm like, I am just get, I'm getting so filled by this time with God. And Luke was so gracious. He's like, yeah, dude, of course. And he went and worked somewhere else. And, but that is how we ought to be as Jesus followers, that no, nothing is going to get between me and my Savior. Nothing is going to get between me and the presence of God. If you're with me, say amen. What else does the word I have to say about prayer? Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Devote, pledge your allegiance to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. This is the example that Jesus sets, Mark 1, 35, before daybreak the next morning. By the way, that means before the sun was up, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. 
<laughs> for following the model of Jesus. Jesus had his communal time of prayers and gathering for worship and prayer and all that, but it goes the extra mile and it says he went to an isolated place to pray. Again, in Matthew 14, 23, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. If you wanna go to the next level in your faith in Jesus, begin to ruthlessly create margin in your life for him to fill. Like nothing is getting in the way of this because I want him. And I know that sounds intimidating. For a lot of us, we're like on track. We're like, dude, this sounds great. Like I'm already doing this, but I want to even more. That's awesome. Now I wanna talk to the ones who struggle to spend even five minutes with God. Talking to those of you who are like, I, I don't even know what to do. Here's what I want you to do. If, you're, if you are like, I've been following Jesus, I've been coming to church, I've been doing all this stuff, but I just, I don't know how to pray. I want you to sit in your room. You can have soft worship music on or just sit in the silence. Open up your Bible. It's a Psalm 91. And sit there. Say, God, speak to me through your word. I want to grow in you. I want to know you more. Begin to change me. Grab a journal, write out the verses that really speak to you. And specifically, what is God saying to you? One thing I've been doing, this is free, this is just a tip, but one thing that I've been doing is I haven't been writing out my prayers as much in my journal. Instead, I've been, I use each page and I do concentric circles. This is a method of prayer that a lot of people have used. I didn't come up with it. And what I do is I draw a circle and inside of it, I write me and God. And I draw that circle and I write inside of it. And for three or four minutes, I'm just talking to God. God, draw me closer to you. Bring me nearer to your heart. I wanna love you more. I wanna serve you more. God, I don't wanna miss anything that you have for me. Lord, just begin, Lord, use me in a new way. Chip away the rough edges, God. I'll finish up that few minutes of prayer and then I draw another circle around that circle. And inside of that, I write Cassidy, Elijah. And I even write baby number two. I'm praying for a baby that we don't even have yet. I'm praying for my family. Father, would you bless my wife? Bring her nearer to your heart. God, I thank you for the woman she is. Bless her, God. Give her joy and peace. Father, I pray for Elijah. Lord, would he be a man of God? Would he have authentic faith, a genuine love for Jesus? Would he be a man of value and virtue and godly morals and values? Would he be filled with the Holy Spirit? And what do I do? Another circle, Pastor Rick. Pastor Jen, senior leadership team, The Rock Church. God bless our church. This is what I do. This is, this is, and it's been so helpful for me, by the way. So that's free. Moving on. I'll tell a story really quick. Um, a few years ago, we had our all-nighter. Well, last year we had an all-nighter, but the one we did, this was like maybe three years ago. And uh, when, we did, when we do all-nighters, it's really fun for all of you. Um, it's a death sentence for me and our leader team, but <laughs> it's great. It's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of it, we are absolutely dead, like dead to the world. Okay. 
So it's like 7.30 the next morning. Everybody's getting picked up. I am just a zombie. I'm exhausted. Everyone's gone. Me and Luke are the last two ones here. Um, and, you know, we were like, all right, I'll see you Sunday or whatever. And I'm literally walking, about to, or about to start walking to my car. And I felt like the Lord say, come and be with me. Come and be with me. And I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> like, I don't want, like, God, I just want to go sleep. And I, uh, and I just paused. I was like, I can, I can give the Lord 20 minutes. So I turned around and I walked into the prayer room. I just turned on soft worship music and I literally laid on the ground in the prayer room. I didn't fall asleep. I, didn't, I just said, God, I'm just here with you. Can I tell you, that was one of the most profound prayer experiences and prayer moments I've ever had where it was like, God, I'm at the end of myself and I simply just wanna be with you. I felt the presence of God in a way that I rarely have. And it was because I was so tired and I had every reason to go home, but I said, no, I'm gonna go be with him right now. So we're gonna finish up uh, and we're just gonna do some, some lies and some truths about those lies uh, and about uh, specifically in the context of prayer. And then we're gonna end in a song of worship. Lie number one, you should only pray if you feel like it. But the truth is that you should pray whether you feel like it or not. A lot of us are waiting until we feel spiritual. We feel joyful. We feel peaceful. And we're waiting for those moments to pray when God's saying, hey, love you, but don't care about your feelings. I just wanna be with you. Just like a father or a mother, they wanna be with you whether you're in a good mood or you're hangry, okay? They wanna be with you either way. Line number two, you only need to pray for a few minutes. You know, God knows all the stuff. Just talk to him for just a couple minutes and then just call it, call it good. But the truth is that prayer is not quantity, but it's about quality time with God. I've had prayer times that have knocked my socks off that were five minutes long sometimes. And I've had other times where I'm pacing around the prayer room for an hour and I finish up my time with God. And I'm like, dude, I don't feel anything because it's about the quality not the quantity. So don't sit, don't lock yourself into, this is my 15 minute devotional and I'm gonna read my Devo and then I'm gonna, don't lock yourself into that. Lie number three, prayer doesn't change things because God's already made up his mind. Now you may not have thought this before. Some of you may have. This is a, a big thing about prayer and God's sovereignty, that God is sovereign over all things. And we just think, well, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. I can't control it, whatever. But so many times in scripture, God moves at the sound of the voice of his saints. He hears us pray, he hears us cry out to him and it burns his heart and he changes situations. The truth is that prayer aligns us with God's will and his desires. Prayer has this way of even when I'm frustrated, it lines me up, so to speak, with what God is doing. Line number four, God will hear my prayers more when I'm older. I don't really know how to pray right now and it's kind of awkward because I'm just sitting there and like I have my Bible and I have worship music, but like I just don't really know what I'm doing. The truth is that God hears every time his children speak to him. <laughs> I keep talking about Elijah, but I mean, he's the best analogy right now. 
He's, you know, just starting to talk and he knows a bunch of words, but he doesn't know how to string sentences together right now. It's just, it's too advanced for a two-year-old. So he just kind of, he knows, you know, please and fire truck. <laughs> he, he know, but he doesn't know how to connect those two things. Like he wants to play with his fire truck, but he's like, and he knows he's supposed to say please, but he can't really string things together. But dad, I know my son. I know his voice. I know what he wants. So I lean down. They say, hey, buddy, do you want to play with your fire truck? Yes. <laughs> That's what he says. He hears you. Don't feel like you can't pray because you don't know how to pray. Start with this one. Help. God, come through. I don't, simple words, Lord. I, I don't, I, I literally don't know how to talk to you, but I'm here and I'm trying. Receive my feeble attempt to, to talk to you and God receives it joyfully. Last one, line number five. Uh, I put it on there. Oh, uh, I, I can't pray because I'm stuck in sin. I can't pray because I'm stuck in sin, but God wants to hear from you no matter how much you messed up. If we're being really honest, how many of, well, I won't ask you to raise your hands. I'll raise my hand. I have fallen into sin and then not wanted to talk to God because I'm worried he's mad at me. You probably have too. But God is like, hey, let's work this stuff out together in relationship. It's the beauty of a prayer life. Let's close in prayer together and then we'll finish in worship. God, thank you, thank you, thank you that we have access to you. We have access to you, God. says in Hebrews that we can now come boldly before the throne of grace and receive his mercy at just the right time. Father, we come boldly before you right now. We honor you. Father, deposit a desire in us for the secret place. Give us the tools to create margin in our lives where we seek you. Your word says, when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. This last song we're gonna sing, it's based out of Luke chapter seven. When the woman comes, the sinful woman comes in the house, it says that she breaks her alabaster jar, the feet of Jesus, it was this perfume in this this jar called an alabaster jar and she breaks it at Jesus' feet and she's weeping worshiping the king of kings and lord of lords so god as we worship you we bring all of what we think we own all all of our reputation all of our renown all of our popularity all of our everything and we lay it at your feet, and we say you're worthy of worship. That was such a great word. I hope you were blessed by it. I know that I was. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed for any future messages, and also to follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church, YCH, to keep up to date with everything we have going on here. See you next time.